to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I am your host, Zach Guggenheim, and we are back from vacation, back to talk about what is going on. You know, I left for a week, and it feels like the college football world has absolutely blown up. And that's not even talking about the fact that Michigan beat Ohio State for the first time in 10 years. Good job, Wolverines. You finally got it done. Uh, that's, that's, I'll actually give greater props later in the show, but as a, as a Buckeye fan, it took you 10 years. So you got it now. All right. All right. That's it. I'll give you props later, Michigan. Um, if you like the podcast, make sure to follow us, subscribe, leave a review. And we're going to talk a lot today. We're going to talk about the, the past couple of weeks. Cause I've been obviously away. I promise I'm not ducking the crow that I need to eat for Ohio State, Michigan. I'm going to eat it and eat it hard here. But we're going to talk about kind of the past couple of weeks, recap the past couple of weeks. Obviously, a lot has happened. I'm going to talk about just thoughts on the playoff. Uh, Alabama 1, Michigan 2, Georgia 3, Cincinnati 4. To talk about that. And then we're going to talk about just what is going on in terms of coaching. Because I was on a cruise ship watching ESPN and I find out that Lincoln Riley is leaving Oklahoma. Okay. You know, and then I thought that was a shock. And then I come to find out that Brian Kelly is going to LSU and he's trying to come up with a Louisiana accent and it's awful. That's what we're going to be talking about. So uh, make sure to follow us, like, subscribe, review, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Anchor. Uh, we might put this up on YouTube. We'll see. Um, let me just go through my power rankings. I'm not going to do a top 10 because, uh, I, you know, we're at the end of the season. I'll probably get, give a end of year top 10 after the, uh, after the bowls are over. But let me give you my power rankings for the Big Ten. I'll start at the bottom. Obviously, Indiana's 14. No Big Ten wins. Got blown out by their rival in the uh, Old Oaken Bucket game. Northwestern's 13. They also got blown out uh, by their crosstown rival, Illinois. Nebraska is 12. I don't understand how certain coaches are fired. And Scott Frost stays on. What is going on? I don't understand. They lost again by a touchdown. In a game that they led, I believe, 21 to 9 in the fourth quarter. What are you doing, Nebraska? Uh, Anyway. People, if you're watching this, you're probably seeing me go crazy with my hand motions here. Uh, three and nine, every single loss by nine points or less. That's got something. They're 12. And they should still fire Scott Frost. Number 11 is Illinois, five and seven. Great year for the Illini, quite honestly. Uh, really good year for the Illini. Rutgers, five and seven. Really good year for them. Uh, all things considered. So good job by Greg Schiano. I've got them at 10. 
Maryland is at nine. They're going, they're going bowling, had a big win uh, to finish the season against Rutgers. Purdue, I can't believe I've got Purdue eighth. I got Purdue eighth. Uh, Purdue is eight. They went eight and four. I, I think they, they had a really good year for Jeff Brom. Wisconsin at seven, uh, also eight and four, but uh, disappointing finish. Didn't get to the Big Ten championship game. Got Minnesota at six with the big win over Wisconsin. You know, Minnesota easily could have been in the Big Ten title game if not for just some stupid losses, quite honestly. Uh, but I got Minnesota at six. I got Penn State at five. I know they're seven and five. I'm, I'm shocked that they they lost to Michigan State with all the injuries and, and everything. I, the, the flu kind of went through uh, Michigan State. I, I don't know who all was out. I didn't get a chance to actually watch that game. But Penn State, uh, seven and five, I still think they're better than most of the teams behind them. Number four, I have Iowa. Uh, they had a great year, you know, 10 wins, 10 and three. But I think we saw against Michigan their limitations. You know, they, they got beat down 42 to three. And if you watch the Big Ten title game at all, Michigan got up 14 nothing, and you're like, it's over. Iowa can't score. So good, you know, good job for Iowa to get there. Um, but they're, they're my number four team. And I think the top three are pretty easy. Number three is Michigan State. They finished 10 and two. Mel Tucker easily, easily the coach of the year. Uh, finishes in the top 10. So good for Michigan State. Uh, number two is Ohio State. Um, and I'll, I'll kind of park here for a minute. I said on the, uh, on the bonus episode, I, I thought there was a, a 30% chance that Michigan could win. Ohio state has a lot of issues. And the, the thing that was glaring to me, and I want to talk a lot about Michigan here in a minute. The thing that was glaring to me is that it, it seems like what Ohio State struggled with against Oregon has not been fixed. There was a lot of window dressing. So they changed the defensive looks. They changed the defensive coverages. They changed who uh, was calling the defense. And it seemed like maybe the run game was getting back into, into swing. Against Michigan, they couldn't run the ball and they couldn't stop the run. That's not good. And that score was 42 to 27. It should have been worse, just like the Oregon game. Oregon won by eight. It probably should have been by three scores. Michigan, they're lucky. Ohio State is lucky that they didn't lose by, by a score of like 42 to 13. Because a couple of those scores are coming off of fourth quarter or fourth downs. I mean, Jackson Smith and Jigba made a redonkulous catch to keep that, keep the chains moving on third and 19. They're, they were lucky to be in that game. And they, they, to be honest, they weren't really in it in the second half. So I, they're going to have a tough time with Utah. I, I think Utah is going to win that game. Uh, I, I'll give more. I, we'll, we'll talk about the bowl matchups later, either this week or next week. I haven't figured out the schedule yet uh, for podcasting. 
over the next couple of weeks. Um, just kind of getting back on my feet, but yeah, Ohio state, uh, the clear number two, uh, and they got their butts beat. It was a beat down by the number one team, the big 10 champs, the Michigan Wolverines. And uh, I, you know, I gave a little agita to Michigan fans at the beginning of the podcast, but let me, let me just say this. I've said for years when people have said Jim Harbaugh isn't a good coach or he's, you know, he's, he's not good enough. I said, listen, what he's done is he stabilized a program that was sinking. The question was, could he get it? Could he advance it? And I think for the past few years, it's like, nah, you know, he's kind of stuck in, in second gear he did a heck of a coaching job and I think there's a lot of props to be given uh, a lot of props for the game plan. You know, Josh Gaddis really uh, had a really good game plan offensively. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson, that guy is a monster, man. I mean, Nicholas Petit Frere and uh, Dewan Jones are good offensive tackles and he dominated. He was great. And Cade McNamara played well, but I mean, it, it really came down to Hassan Haskins, who he's not flashy. He's not, he's, he's got more flash than you'd think for a big guy, but I mean, trying to keep him down and trying to slow him down. doesn't matter that he's averaging three or four yards of carry. It's, how he gets those yards and when he gets those yards, he's not getting four yards on second and 16. He's getting though. He's getting four yards on third and two. He's getting five yards on first down. He is a, a methodical, smart, powerful running back. And I, I he, he's a really, really good player. And, you know, Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards. I mean, that backfield is really good, but what, what really stands out, between Michigan and Ohio State, Michigan was tougher. They were the tougher football team. They were the nastier football team. They didn't look like a team that was scared of the stage. They looked like a team that was sick of the crap of hearing that they hadn't won in 10 years. They looked like a team that said, okay, the mystique of Ohio State, whatever. We don't care. We're just going to bully them all, all game. And Josh, Josh Gaddis, at the end of the game, the offensive coordinator said, yeah, about Ohio State. They're a finesse team. Uh, they're not a they're not a power team. And you know, some Ohio State fans I think took exception to that. I don't. He's absolutely right. Uh, Ohio State was charm and soft on the lines. And Michigan was a dominating force. And then they followed it up with, I mean, they kicked the tar out of the Hawkeyes. I mean, they, they just beat them up and I, you know, good, good for Michigan. I, you know, I know Ohio state fans would be like, how could you as an Ohio state fan say good for Michigan? And I'm, I'm, this is my, my commentator hat on and my podcaster hat on. This is a, this is a big step for Michigan. They, they beat Ohio state and they beat Ohio state uh, for the first time when they were a power. 
Right. So last time that they beat Ohio State, they were uh, they were coming to the game limping in at six and five. They finished six and seven. This Ohio State team was the number two team in the country. They would have been in the playoff. And they came in and they beat the tar out of them. And they followed up by beating a top 15 team in Iowa by 39 points. So I, a lot of respect for Michigan, a lot of respect for Jim Harbaugh and that coaching staff and those players. Uh, I'm excited to see what they do in the playoff. Uh, excited to see what they what they do. Um, let me talk real quick about the playoff, uh, what happened with the playoff rankings. If I'm quite honest, I think the conference championships really bailed out the committee because anything other than the top four that they gave would have been just asinine. I mean, you had a clear number five team in Notre Dame who lost to Cincinnati. So it's like, how can you, you can't keep Cincinnati out. You can't keep Cincinnati out. And there's been some speculation. Why is Georgia three and not four? You know, why isn't there a rematch? And, And listen, I, for selfish purposes, I wish they'd put Georgia at four. The reality is, and people can get upset all they want and say, well, Georgia doesn't have a great strength of schedule and Georgia isn't this and Georgia isn't that. Okay. I, I, I know, and look, Alabama beat the brakes off of him. Bryce Young, by the way, he locked up the Heisman. I mean, it's just not even a debate. Went from one of the closest Heisman races to a, a, a landslide victory, right? Um, but Alabama, I, you know, Georgia, just look at Georgia's, uh, their resume a little bit. They beat number 19, Clemson. Uh, they, beat, they beat number 21, Arkansas, by 37. They beat number 22, Kentucky, by, I think, three scores and then their only losses to the number one team in the country. Okay. Like Michigan has a, has a better win. Uh, sorry about that. I don't know why I'm getting a call. Uh, gotta love technology. Michigan has a couple of better wins. Um, they beat Ohio state. They beat, uh, they beat Purdue or beat Iowa. But I, like, if you look at the whole body of work, like Michigan had struggles against weaker teams. I mean, they struggled against Rutgers. Uh, They struggled against Nebraska. You know, Georgia did not struggle at all, you know, except for the first game against Clemson. And then they just beat the brakes off of everybody else. And I get their schedule was not great um sorry we're talking yeah we're talking about michigan is a is ahead of georgia so i I, I, that makes sense michigan should be ahead of georgia i don't know why i started going there but a lot of people wonder why is cincinnati not ahead of georgia and i'm like look at the schedules man i mean cincinnati schedule they beat notre dame awesome and they beat houston who's number 20 and then they have a whole bunch of garbage. Like they played a group of five schedule 
And listen, I think Cincinnati, I, I think Cincinnati might have a legit shot to at least stay with Alabama because of how they're built. Um, but you can't, you can't drop Georgia at four to four. Like it just doesn't make any sense with the way that the committee ranks teams, the way that they're looking at strength of schedule. I, I thought actually the top six was, was actually pretty spot on. Uh, my, my one critique would have been, I might've put Baylor ahead of Ohio state because they had a conference championship. But even that, like, I mean, that Baylor Oklahoma state game was, it was, it was, that was rough to watch. It was really rough to watch. Um, but yeah, so I, I thought the committee, they, they got bailed out. I were, I really was kind of hoping for chaos that Georgia would have beat Alabama that uh, Cincinnati, you know, loses to Houston, uh, not because I wanted Cincinnati out, but just to say, what's the committee going to do? How, who are they going to put in? I, you know, can they justify putting in a non-conference champ Cincinnati? Can they justify putting in Alabama after losing the SEC championship? But I, I thought it was a pretty easy, uh, I thought it was pretty easy. I'll give you just a quick thought. This is not in-depth analysis, but I'll just give you a quick thought. I think it's going to be Alabama, Alabama, Georgia in the championship game. I think Cincinnati has some pieces, but Alabama is just, they're built different. And I love Fickle. He has been fantastic this year. That team has been fantastic, but I think Bama probably gets them by at least 10. I just don't think they can, they can compete with the speed. And then Michigan is just a, it's a, George is a bad matchup for them. And I, I think, I actually kind of wish the teams were reversed because I think Cincinnati would have a better chance against Georgia. And I think Michigan would have a better chance against Alabama. Because uh, I think Michigan could probably run a bit more on Alabama. And I think that they might be able to, their defense might be able to contain uh, a, John Mechie-less uh, Alabama Crimson Tide, John Mechie out with a torn ACL. Um, but I, I think Michigan George is a tough matchup for the Wolverines. I, I think, you know, if George's defensive line can, can really contain that run game, I think that's going to be a tough night. And Georgia was undone by tempo and by the passing game for Alabama. Michigan's got some speed on the outside uh andrell anthony not anderson sorry michigan fans uh andrell anthony and cornelius johnson eric all the tight end i think they might be able to give some problems in that secondary but the question is can michigan's line hold up so i i don't think it's a good matchup for them but i'll look into their their into the games a little bit more as uh as time goes on uh i I really hope I'm wrong, but I'm at this point, I'm like, I don't see much hope for anything other than a rematch in the uh, national championship game, but I can hope for Michigan, Cincinnati. Uh, please, Michigan, Cincinnati, please, Michigan, Cincinnati. And then Cincinnati beat Michigan by a bajillion points. Uh, sorry. Did I say that out loud? Um, yeah. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to get into a little bit of Heisman stuff 
conference awards, bowls, and then what the heck happened in the coaching world. Welcome back to the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. We're going to talk individual awards here, um, particularly for the conference. I'm just going to go down the list and, and just kind of tell you if I agree, disagree, uh, what I think there. Um, I'm going to start with the Graham George Offensive Player of the Year. It's C.J. Stroud from Ohio State. I don't know who else you put there with the numbers he put up. I think it's 38 touchdowns, 3,800 yards, five interceptions. He was the best, honestly, the best offensive player on the best offensive squad. So I think that makes sense. The Nagurski Woodson defensive player of the year, Aiden Hutchinson of Michigan. Absolutely. Like not even a question. Might be the best player in the conference, might be the best player in the country. That dude's a stud, man. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson, Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, Freshman of the Year, the Thompson Randall L. Freshman of the Year, C.J. Stroud, Ohio State. Yes, makes sense. The Hayes Schembechler Coach of the Year, which is the coach's vote. Uh, It's Mel Tucker from Michigan State. No-brainer. Absolutely no-brainer. Dave McLean, Coach of the Year, media vote. Mel Tucker. Michigan State. Again, no brainer. Uh, If someone, if that wasn't unanimous, I want to find the person who didn't vote that way and ask the question, what are you thinking? And listen, Jim Harbaugh is, is, if it were any other year, I would, I would say that he should be the, the coach of the year. But listen, as bad as Michigan was last year, they had good talent. Michigan State had nothing. Like, I picked them to go over in the entire conference. I think I picked them to have one win all year. They went 10-2 and two with a transfer from Wake Forest as their top player. Like, just incredible job by Mel Tucker. Incredible job. Deserves every accolade. He should be the national coach of the year. Um, the greasy breeze quarterback for the, of the year. That's Bob greasy, not like the greasy spoon, uh, quarterback of the year, CJ Stroud from Ohio state. I mean, I don't know who else you put there. Um, you could put Cade McNamara in all 14 of his touchdowns or however many, um, it's, it's Stroud. It has to be Stroud. Uh, Richter Howard, receiver of the year, David Bell of Purdue. I don't know how much I agree with that one. I, I can agree with it in terms of impact, in terms of big upsets. So he was monumental for Purdue against Iowa and against, uh, against Michigan State. But I just... Uh, he has and he has better stats than than Garrett Wilson and Jackson Smith and Jigba. I I don't know. I I would have given it to Garrett Garrett Wilson, and I don't say that just because I'm a Buckeye fan. I I think you watch these guys play. I I think the best I think two, the two best receivers in the country this year have been Jamison Williams at Alabama, and uh, Garrett Wilson at Ohio State. And I don't I don't know if it's that close. So I. 
I can understand why you give it to David Bell, but I would have picked Garrett Wilson. Um, running back of the year. Uh, it's sorry, the Emeke Dane running back of the year. Kenneth Walker the third, Michigan State, no brainer. Um, I think it makes absolute sense that he made it. The Qualic Clark tight end of the year award, Austin Allen from Nebraska. I guess I, I don't I don't know if I can think of a tight end that's better. I feel like he's getting the award because he's six nine. Um he's he's good. He's good. Um but uh the Remington Pace Offensive Lineman of the Year Award, uh Tyler Linderbaum for Iowa. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense. Defensive lineman of the year, Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan. Absolutely. Linebacker of the year, Leo Chanel at Wisconsin. Uh, I I guess again, I I can't, you know, I could say Josh Ross at uh at Michigan. Uh, maybe Brandon Smith at, out of uh, Penn State. But, uh, you know, I'll give it to him. I, good, good job by Leo. Uh, defensive back of the year, Riley Moss. That feels much more on hype than just – he's really good, but he was out for a few games. And I, I don't know. I Joey Porter Jr., and uh, Jaquan Brisker. I, I would have put one of those guys there. Uh, I'm a little surprised by that, quite honestly. Um, kicker of the year, Jake Moody from Michigan. Yes, he's probably going to win the Lou Groza Award. Punter of the year, Jordan Stout, Penn State. Absolutely. Uh, specialist of the year, Charlie Jones. Yeah, hey, he's been he's been good for Iowa. He's been really good for Iowa. Um yeah, so it, all in all, I thought the awards made sense. Um, you know, there were a couple where I was like, yeah, I might have given, but even David Bell, I'm like, David Bell's really good. Uh, I'm, I'm, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world that he didn't get, he didn't get the, uh, he didn't get the, the thing. The, the one thing I will say, I, I, and I love Chris Olave. He was first team all Big Ten. He was, not even the the second best receiver on his own team. Um, and so I just, I don't know. I, I have a tough time. No, I have a tough time with uh, Garrett Wilson, not being first team. I, I have even a worse time with the uh, media, not picking an Ohio state receiver at all on the first team. They have John Dotson and David Bell. Again, both great receivers. You're going to tell me that Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and Jackson Smith and Jigba, none of them are first team Big Ten? Man. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, not going to, yeah, not going to talk about that. Um, I was, we're going to do the bowl games at another time. Let me just briefly talk about the head coaching stuff. We're going to talk more about head coaching stuff. Um, I was looking on, I don't even have all the, all the changes, but Lincoln Riley, uh, is going to USC from Oklahoma. That, that was a shock to me. And apparently there was smoke. Um, one of the things that it sounds like 
um, factored in is that he was frustrated with Oklahoma that they're going to the SEC. And quite honestly, I don't blame him. I, I don't blame him for that. Uh, Oklahoma was the big fish in the Big 12 pond. And you've got Oklahoma going to the SEC to play Alabama every year, Texas A&M every year, LSU every year. I mean, really? And so he goes to USC, which quite honestly doesn't have any big fish right now. And he's bringing a lot of recruits with him. That USC is going to be dynamic from day one with Lincoln Riley. He's going to get transfers. Uh, he's going to, the recruiting is immediately going to be better. Uh, I look for USC to be in the playoff in the next two years. Great hire, great hire. And it, it's one of the problems with Oklahoma being uh, moving to the SEC. So um that hire, I think, is, is, is a slam dunk for USC. I, I'll talk about another one that I think is just a horrendous hire. And it's Brian Kelly to LSU. Now, Brian Kelly's a great coach. He has been phenomenal for Notre Dame. He's gotten to the playoff twice. Um, the man knows how to recruit and have a team in the mid Midwest. He's going to get destroyed in the SEC. He's going to get absolutely murdered by Saban every year. Because, you know, and you saw it, if you saw the, the clip of him at the basketball game with the fake Louisiana accent, the fake Southern accent, you know, he's trying to play, you know, play to the crowd. Listen, you got to know that culture. And he doesn't. He's going to be done in five years. That's my, now maybe I'm wrong. I, I hope he does, but I, I thought it was a terrible move, a terrible hire. And I don't know why you, why you leave Notre Dame when quite honestly, you're, I don't think you're that far away from a playoff win or maybe even a national championship. They finished fifth and they like, they didn't even have a, like they had a young team this year. I don't understand why you leave Notre Dame. Uh, I, I don't get it. Um, few other ones and i'm going to talk more about this on the next podcast but brent venables going to oklahoma bob stoops is going to coach the bowl game he's coming over from clemson billy napier at uh is going to florida from louisiana uh not sure about either of those hires quite honestly um brent pry is going to virginia tech he is the penn state defensive coordinator i think that's a good hire he's a he's a really good defensive coordinator for the nittany lions uh, just as of today, I think an hour as of, of me recording this, Mario Cristobal is going from Oregon to Miami. I get that Mario Cristobal is, you know, he has history there, but why? Miami is not a good program right now. That feels, that feels like a demotion. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what I, I get that he's from there, but. It's, I'll talk more about that uh, in the future. The other one I just want to briefly touch on, and I think it's, I'm really excited for this guy. I just hope he doesn't do well in his first game because this is like, it's against Ohio State. Marcus Freeman is taking over the Notre Dame job. 
He was a Notre Dame defensive coordinator for a year before he, before that he was the Cincinnati defensive coordinator. He has been a name on the rise and I'm excited to see what he does at Notre Dame. And if he can take Notre Dame to the next level, they were already close, but I think there's a lot of, there, there's a lot of good momentum with him. And so I'm excited. We'll talk more about this. Uh, in particular, we'll talk more about this in, in context of why, why these hires um, and kind of the, the ripple effect throughout college football. So uh, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the bowl games coming up. Uh, I think we'll have a podcast coming out either Thursday or Friday morning. So keep, keep posted. This has been the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. Zach Guggenheim signing off. God bless.